Chapter Thirty One of the Cliff Climbers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Cliff Climbers by Thomas Main Reed. Chapter Thirty One The Signal of the Shikari. As if sent to cheer and distract their minds from the feeling of dread awe which still held possession of them, just then the shrill whistle of Wasaru came pealing across the lake, reverberating in echoes from the cliff toward which he had gone. Shortly after, the signal sounded again in a slightly different direction, showing that the shikari had succeeded in bagging his game and was returning towards the hut. On hearing the signal, Karl and Caspar regarded each other with glances of peculiar significance. "'So, brother,' said Caspar, smiling oddly as he spoke, "'you see Osaru with his despised bow and arrows has beaten us both. What if either of us had beaten him?' "'Or,' replied Karl, "'what if we had both beaten him?' "'Ah, brother Caspar,' added he, shuddering as he spoke, how near we were to making an end of each other it is fearful to think of it let us think no more of it then rejoined caspar but go home at once and see what sort of a breakfast osi has procured for us i wonder whether it be a flesh or fowl one or the other no doubt he continued after a short pause fowl i fancy for as I came round the lake I heard some oddish screaming in the direction of the cliff yonder, which was that taken by Osaru. It appeared to proceed from the throat of some bird, yet such I think I have never heard before. But I have, replied Karl, I heard it also. I fancy I know the bird that made those wild notes, and if it be one of them the shikari has shot, we shall have a breakfast fit for a prince and of a kind lacalus delighted to indulge in but let us obey the signal of our shikari and see whether we are in such good luck they had already regained possession of their guns shouldering them they started forth from the glade so near being the scene of a tragical event and turning the end of the lake walked briskly back in the direction of the hut on coming within view of it they descried the shikari sitting upon a stone just by the doorway and lying across his knee a most beautiful bird by far the most beautiful that either flies in the air swims in the water or walks upon the earth the peacock not the half turkey shaped creature that struts around the farmyard though he is even more beautiful than any other bird but the wild peacock of the end of shape slender and elegant of plumage resplendent as the most priceless of gems and what was then of more consequence to our adventurers of flesh delicate and savoury as the choices of game the last was evidently the quality of the peacock most admired by osaru the elegant shape he had already destroyed the resplendent plumes he was plucking out and casting to the winds as though they had been common feathers and his whole action betokened that he had no more regard for those grand tail feathers and that gorgeous purple corselet than if it had been a goose or an old turkey cock that lay stretched across his knee 
Without saying a word, when the others came up, there was that in Osaru's look as he glanced furtively towards the young sahibs and saw that both were empty-handed, that betrayed a certain degree of pride, just enough to show that he was enjoying a triumph. To know that he was the only one who had made a cope, it was not necessary for him to look up. Had either succeeded in killing game, or even in finding it, he must have heard the report of a gun, and none such on that morning had awakened the echoes of the valley. Osaru, therefore, knew that a brace of empty game bags were all that were brought back. Unlike the young sahibs, he had no particular adventure to relate. His stalk had been a very quiet one, ending, as most quiet stalks do, in the death of the animal stalked. He had heard the old peacock screeching on the top of a tall tree. He had stolen up within bow range, sent an arrow through his glittering gorget, and brought him tumbling to the ground. He had then laid his vulgar hands upon the beautiful bird, grasping it by the legs and carrying it with draggling wings, just as if it had been a common dunghill foal he was taking to the market of Calcutta. Carl and Caspar did not choose to waste time in telling the shikari how near they had been to leaving him the sole and undisputed possessor of that detached dwelling and the grounds belonging to it. Hunger prompted them to defer the relation to a future time, and also to lend a hand in the culinary operations already initiated by Osaru. By their aid, therefore, a fire was set ablaze, and the peacock, not very cleanly plucked, was soon roasting in the flames, Fritz having already made short work with the giblets. End of chapter 31